Good evening and welcome to the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. As the important football winds down for a fortnight, it's time to run the rule over a mixed week for United. One FA Cup draw against West Ham, a second European exit of the season at the hands of the Scousers, and a hard-fought derby victory at the Etihad, which leaves United tantalisingly placed only a point behind City ahead of the international break. Sifting through the good and the bad of this last week are Mr. Richard Can. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm not too bad, are you? Not too bad, thank you very much. I'm not too bad at all. Paul and Paul Gunning, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Just really, really pleased that the process is going so well. Oh, good. Absolutely. That's always a bonus. So, guys, before we actually get onto the serious talk of the football, I've got a bit of an anecdote for you this week of something that I just wanted to run by. So, my dad's been over from Australia this last week, and we've been spending time with the kids. We went out to a bookshop over in the Derbyshire countryside today, and there's this really great book that was in the shop called Lost in Translation, which is going through different words from different dialects and languages and cultures, and essentially giving them an English meaning for us. One word, a Dutch word I found, was called Struis Vogel Politiek, which means ostrich politics, acting like you don't notice when something bad happens and can take, sorry, continuing on regardless as you normally would. Just reminded me of someone. This this is normal. Yes, yep, yep. <laughs> it's you, a Dutch you, thing. You can win and you can lose and this is normal. <laughs> this is like classic Royal Koeman, isn't it? <laughs> It's beautiful. That's such a wonderful word. I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Oh, it tickled me. Say it again. Anyway, the word. Yeah. Hold on a minute. It, it, oh, I'll have to load up the phone. <laughs> I think, I think you're, assu- the you're assuming that Young is actually saying this right. <laughs> yes, well, I, I do apologise to any Dutch listeners for butchering their language. The, the word, as I, as I understand it to be, is Struisvogelpolitiek. And that's all just one word. Very nice. Which is wonderful. Anyway, so... We're going to start off with two rather uninspiring games and then sort of work up to an emotional crescendo of awesome this, this evening. So let's get uh, the rather damp squib of the three games out of the way in the shape of the draw at uh, Old Trafford against West Ham and the FA Cup. Now, Rich. Hi. We had a bit of a disagreement in terms of how we were looking at this game. You weren't amazingly happy about it and I was quite contented with the result. So looking back on that game a week ago now, how do you feel about it? Um, I feel the same as when we when we spoke about it. Really, um, I thought it. Bearing in mind, it's probably well, it was United's only realistic chance of silverware this season. And what particularly annoyed me, apart from the fact that we spent the first five or ten minutes not seeming to know exactly what formation we're supposed to be playing, um, is that we we went through another game at home, or two thirds of a game at home, with absolutely no urgency at all. So it was just it was just the normal thing of just pass it around and chances will eventually come at some point in the game and the only the only time we actually actually pushed on to try and get a goal was after West Ham scored um you know it's just it's it's, it's typical us at home being reactionary rather than rather than proactive um so and I'm also working on the basis that I couldn't and probably still don't think we've got the slightest chance of winning at Upton Park um on a on a on a midweek night in the FA Cup quarter final um, so I thought that was a really big. I mean, bearing in mind the other three teams are in the semi-finals as well. That this was probably West Ham were probably the hardest opponents we could have. Um, you know, between now and actually winning the thing. So I thought that game was there for us to really go out and you know make a statement and get into a, in a good position in a competition we could really win. And I just thought we I, we just played reactionary football again rather than pro- proactive, and I it just really pissed me off quite a lot. 
It's just classic <laughs> Bangalore, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Classic exactly. Bangalore. Yeah. yeah. Go on, Paul. What did you reckon? Uh, very much the same as Rich, to be honest with you. Um, it, it, it's, I find it really irritating. Um, just another bland performance. And then once we went a goal down, suddenly we, we actually start trying to score because we have to. Prior to that, it's almost like we're just sort of cruising through the game. Um, it's just all very dull. If you look, if, I always think every week when he actually gets picked, he may not play well every week, but at least Herrera is the one midfield player we've got who actually tries to make stuff happen. He's a bright um, spark. He is, he is. I mean, he doesn't always get it right. He's not. No. You know, he can have off games and on games, but he's the only one who's trying to make something happen. I think... I, I, I remember called the West Ham game. I think it must have been in the first half. He broke forward with the ball and he he dribbled with it to about five yards outside the penalty area. And you look back, and West Ham had seven players back in a line, four defenders, and their three midfielders in a perfect line. And you look in the whole of the picture. The only players, the only red players in in the picture were Rashford in the middle of the area and Lingard, who was just standing about five yards to Herrera's right. But that's waiting. the story of our season, Rich. Yeah, it is exactly. And I was, I was, I was waiting for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the Red Sea to surge forward, and absolutely nobody appeared. And in the end, Herrera just stopped, turned around, and passed it backwards again. <laughs> it, it's oh. funny. Funnily enough, funnily enough, I said to my dad because um, I go, to, I watch my all pretty much every match I watch, I watch with my dad. And I said to him, um, I can't remember which game it was, but I, I turned to, and said to him, this, "If you could sum up our season in a few words, it would be." They're all back. And by that I mean, every time United look like they're about to surge forward, someone checks back and sort of ponder the meaning of life. And there's only ever one, maybe two red shirts in the penalty box. It, it, it's so anti-United, you know. When you think about the football we played in the past, it, it's, it's quite distressing to watch actually. You have to wonder what Fergie thinks, don't you? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. There's all sorts of... I don't of, know, do you? I don't know. There's all oh, sorts of conspiracy do, theories about, you know, what he wants and whether he wanted his successors to succeed and stuff. I don't, I don't really buy into that. I, mean, I think he's a Machiavellian... I think he's a Machiavellian guy, but I think he he would like United to do well. And you just must wonder what he thinks when United are playing at home and they're just... They're just... They're breaking forward and just stopping. Just, just stopping. Literally stopping, yeah. Back. Stopping. Yeah. And, and no movement... It's so, so static. The thing about Lingard as well, he was standing, he was five yards to Herrera's right and he wasn't running. He wasn't going, he wasn't trying to make down the line for him to pass it to him. He stopped and just stood there five yards to his right. Is that because they, they've been told they have to stay in certain areas, like certain positions, do you think? I, th- I think it must be. You know, the only re- the only thing I can think of is why he, why he likes Lingard. I mean, I, you know, I know, I know I've been quite, um, quite critical of Lingard in, in, in the past but it's because he works hard he works hard mm. and he's disciplined and he does what he's told and you know that's clearly Van Hal's type of player um, he'd much rather that over the unpredictability of someone like Depay and he's perfectly happy to have just Martial as his flair player he's the one player who's allowed to do something he's allowed to take people on and, and make runs and everybody else just has to seems to have to stick in their in their spots. I mean, even Rashford, but he was in the box in that particular move. He wasn't moving. He was just in the box on the penalty spot, standing still. Yeah, and also he's absolutely surrounded by opposition players. Surrounded, like literally on all sides. What's he meant to do, really? No. E- even if even if 
it was Herrera you said hurt the ball. Yeah. Even if yeah. he sends, sends across the, the perfect ball for him, even then he's surrounded by defenders, so it's unlikely he's actually going to score from that. You've got to get lucky. Really? We're relying on luck, aren't you? And, and, yeah, totally. You know, fair wind and, you know, Van, that's the, that's, that's supposed to be the antithesis of Van Hal's football. Van Hal's mm. football is supposed to be about, um, about perfection, about, um, dominating areas and, um, and it, it it takes away the element of luck, except that for whatever reason, the football he's playing with us is entirely reliant on luck. And in fact, well, to be fair, I mean, just at keeps... least against West Ham, we didn't even get luck, did we? We got Schweinsteiger doing an absolutely wonderful piece of genius to knock the keeper out of the way of the Yeah, exactly. Well, again, Schweinsteiger came on, and he was he he actually added a huge amount of drive to that performance that wasn't there. He was in instrumental, before. wasn't he? In, in he his... was. He, you know, there was. There was nobody else that was doing anything apart from. Apart but do, from do you know what though? I, I, and I, I'm sure we'll talk more about this over the course of the podcast. But I don't think it was just the introduction of Schweinsteiger. I think it was also getting Fellaini off the pitch. And I think that is. Uh, and and I, I'm acutely aware that you know, I actually feel sorry for Fellaini because he's not a bad guy. He tries hard. He's just not up to it. Um, he doesn't probably deserve the abuse that he's getting, but it is just so blindingly obvious that he's not United standard player. And if he starts a match, we don't look like a decent team until he's taken off. No, I mean the the, the whole Fellaini issue is quite symptomatic of a number of issues and anger with Van Harry, isn't it? In terms of selection, in terms of. That a sort of that that midfield duo combination that we seem to favour so heavily at the minute, which seems to be helping to a certain extent. You know, when we were talking about defence, at least during the, the early part of the season, but since then it's kind of faded out a little but bit. But F- Fellaini doesn't add anything in defence either. I mean, he, he, I, I, he, one thing I noticed with Fellaini is, and it, it really winds me up actually, is because I don't know if it's just because he's not a, a fast guy anyway, but he trots about the place like. Almost looking at it like he's not trying. I mean, I don't. I think he is trying, and he's just not that good, and he's not that fast. But oh, he's a nightmare. I just, I just think as well, if you're going to play Fellaini, the last place you play him is in the middle of a midfield with an absolutely, you know, an, a, a, as a two in midfield. Because, it's where he can do most damage. Yeah, exactly, and particularly if you're playing either Schneidlin or Carrick, particularly Carrick as well. That is, that must be the least mobile central midfield pairing that's ever stepped on a football pitch in the Premier League. Um, and all, you know, it takes one. It takes one pass or one dribble, and you've bypassed them, and they're gone. That's it. Yeah. Was it against Liverpool? I think it was against Liverpool away in the Europa League uh, when he played Fellaini and was a Herrera in midfield. And Herrera looked looked like an absolutely abysmal player. But I, and I think that's because and I think that happens with quite a lot of players who play alongside Fellaini in midfield because they're trying to do two men's jobs. That because he he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a midfielder. He, he is, he is basically a battering ram. That's how he was, that's how, how he worked best for Everton. Long ball, launching it up to Fellaini, you control it on his chest and, you know, that's what he's good at. Mm. But Van Hal said a few times as well that, that he, he's, he's chosen Fellaini because of his height at, at, at defensive set pieces. But he's not and good he in the air. Like, who, I know he's not even good in the air, but, but who, what Manchester United manager, particularly at home, picks a footballer because in midfield, his first thought is, can this guy defend? Can this guy defend uh, set pieces in our own box? I was going to say before, I think Fellaini almost epitomises all that's bad about Van Gaal's entire time at the club, really. It's like Neanderthal football. It's 
there's no imagination to it. He's, he's, I don't get it. it. It's, it, I don't, I don't understand why he persists with him. Like everyone else in the world can see that it's not working. And it doesn't, it doesn't fit with what he's done before as well. If you look at the midfields that he's had at Bayern and Ajax and, um, and Barcelona, he's always had technical, technical players. And now he's just obsessed with playing this, this, completely useless lump in midfield for absolutely no reason whatsoever and also I think like what baffles me as well is that last season a few a couple of times earlier this season Fellaini did actually work like as a he came usually coming on as a sub up front when we were backs against the wall and you get you a late goal or you know put it in the mixer and if you do that it, it works or it has worked in the past but it has never worked with him in midfield, and and it never will. So I'm taking it from the last <laughs> ten minutes or so of discussion about the West Ham game, then, Rich, that <laughs> when that Payet free kick went in, you were not particularly hopeful about us getting back into the game. I wasn't. I mean, you know, I'm I'm at the point now where I'm fairly dead to everything. So, um, <laughs> you know, that went. And it can, wasn't can I just absolute... say that that free kick was absolute? That, that was football porn. That yeah, it kick. was. It was amazing. It was and I, even I was like, even I sort of gasped at the. Brilliant oh, that. He, he literally had, and you know the, the, the proverbial postage stamp, but that's what he had. Oh, it was, he was aiming at a bloody stamp from twenty-five yards away. Um, so yeah, I mean, when that went in, we, we, we'd done nothing, had we? we? We showed no adventure or or um, quality going forward at all. So you know, it didn't look like we could possibly get anything out of the game. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't think we particularly deserved to have won, to, to be winning it. So. I mean, maybe not winning it, but I did feel like when we came back into the game and got the equaliser, despite that you know barrage of corner towards the end, I thought one one was about the right result. I actually thought in the second half there was more purpose about United. You know, we did struggle to create chances, but mm. I thought in particular that sort of situation where we've fallen down one nil behind, we frequently just recede into our shell and struggle and sort of end up bashing our heads against the brick wall. But that was that was Schweinsteiger, wasn't it? That was, yeah. He did, he, I mean, that that was him playing in that advanced role, really, wasn't it? That that certainly made a difference. And the 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 the, the bludgeoning noose to kind of get him around the goalkeeper. I do agree with you. I think I think it, a draw was probably a fair result. I do agree mm. with you on that. I, don't, I also agree with Rich that I, I can't see us getting anything at Upton Park. Well, again, I mean, you know, we got something today at a stadium where initially we were all sort of doing and gloomy. Today's result. We'll, could, we'll get could, onto that later. Maybe yeah. we've. This was his Mark Robbins moment. <laughs> Another one. I'm not sure about that. That might be pushing it a little bit. I mean, uh, the, the way I kind of approached the result after after that draw last Sunday was, you look at the teams that are already out of the competition. I think the FA Cup is very much there for the taking for United if absolutely. they can get themselves together. Obviously, it's a tall order to go to Upton Park, you know, and especially with the season West Ham are having, and get that result. But we are still very much in a knockout competition and we are one game away from Wembley and, a, you know, it's not the most favourable draw. Everton are easily the the trickier of the three possible alternatives in terms of who we could be facing. But looking at the teams who are out, I think you've just got to be content with the fact that United are still in it, to be honest. Well, I, don't, I don't know, because if, if we had a, a different manager or the old Lou Van Gaal even, with the teams that are still in it and go, even, you know, going to Upton Park, you'd be fairly confident that United could do it but he's so random in his team selections and his substitutions his in-game management you know the whole thing you just you, you can't have any confidence in him every now and then he'll pull up every now and then he'll pull off some amazing result like today against City and you'll be like wow oh, bloody hell but generally he's just so random 
you, you don't know I what think to the expect. The big difference is that none of us now are at a stage where we're watching United and we might have a good result and we think this is now going to be the start of no, something. God, no. We are now. Oh, that's long. This is not going to get yeah. suddenly turned around. Well, it's, fully, it's, the, is it's, it? the, it's the cycle of Van Hall, isn't it? The cycle of Van Hall yeah. I talked about. You know, you get you get the old good result or the old short run of good results. You think you know maybe this we're on the verge of something better here. And then, and then they'll just return to shite within about three yeah, minutes, and you'll be like, "Exactly, you, you and you're absolutely right." We're like, no one, I don't think any of us believe, like, you know, after even if we beat City or we beat Arsenal, or whatever, I think we've we've completely stopped believing that it means anything because we know that we can then go to West Brom and put in just an absolutely shocking performance, you know, or yeah. whoever it might be. That's how it goes. Well, going back to that mention of the the team selections as well, let's uh, skip ahead to <laughs> this past Thursday night. Do you have to? I've got to admit, my heart absolutely fell when I saw Carrick and Fellaini in the middle on that team. I think sheet. everyone's was, did. Oh. Everyone's did. I, j- I just couldn't see a way forward for United after that. I really couldn't. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't even a, a hugely awful night for our midfield on Thursday. It was just... Yeah, but Liverpool never got out of the second they gear. Did- they didn't have to be proactive, did they, Liverpool? So, in a way, we got away with that to a degree because Liverpool didn't really go at the midfield. They, they didn't have to. They just waited for us. They, they they could have scored before they did. And quite a few people have said to me, um, oh, well, you know, United didn't play, actually play quite well. And I suppose in comparison with the first leg, United did play reasonably well. But, my God, if that's the standard, then... You know, we might as well just give up and go home. I think that's what's happened, isn't it? We've, we've, we, particularly over the last season or two, our, our standards have been lowered to such a degree Massively. that anything, any sort of performance that shows anything above basic competence, looks to us like quite a decent <laughs> performance. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it was the the performance against Liverpool was even really basic competence because if we'd actually wanted, like, it, it seemed like we we were set up and and the team was set up in such a way where. It's not that we weren't trying to win, but there was never any real, real belief that we could win or would win. No. We, we, we were defeated before, we, just like in the first leg, we were defeated before we went out there. And yeah, there was more effort and application and all that sort of thing. And when, when Martial scored, it was like, oh, yeah, fantastic, you know. Well, there, there, there was, there was a surge of optimism to a certain extent. I mean, we had yeah. gone close before Rashford's shot and then matter flashing that shot across goal as well. But yeah. you, as you, as you mentioned earlier on, Paul. Liverpool had several good chances Absolutely. before Coutinho eventually chipped in. The, the, the thing was, they were they were just going down our right flank every single time. Mm. Varela had an absolute mare on Thursday night. It was awful to watch. But that's Varela's problem, isn't it? I like you know we all love to see a young kid come into the team, and he, he had a really good game against Arsenal, particularly. But then Arsenal weren't putting any defensive pressure on him at all. He's you know he's a good technical player and he's good going forward, but I don't think he's a good defender. Um, his positioning is not good. His concentration isn't good, and I think he is being beaten on one on ones. I think he's better than he showed, though. I think it was tiredness that certainly came. Into he did the look tired. He looked very he tired. Just, he was struggling just to. Jo- he was just jogging back every time he lost the ball. That was the worst thing to see. But do, but do you not think though, guys? Like right, so because they they Liverpool scored just before half time, right? So. We've all sat there for almost 45 minutes watching this young lad struggle like hell. Like, looking knackered, all over the place. Why didn't Van Gaal do something about it? That, that's, I mean, alright, that's sort of classic Van Gaal in-game management. React to stuff, but this, you know, this, a, a good manager would have hauled him off. 
Well, we saw it with Paddy McNair against Southampton. Uh, what was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the two went away. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that happens. That happened uh, just, well, oh gosh, I think it was the end of 2014 when we won that one, two Van Persie goals. And McNair had an absolute, well, mare <laughs> before he got hooked. And he got hooked in the middle of you know, that first half, if I remember correctly, because he was just, he was all at sea. Southampton were pressurising him. And the problem with Varela, especially on Thursday night, wasn't so much that he was making mistakes, it's that he was barely doing anything off the ball. He was leaving so much for Smalling to do. And, you know, you know, there is a slight fault for, D- for Dave for not perhaps being as wonderful as he normally is in terms of that goal. But the thing is, we gave him such an easy route to attack, and especially with the way they were playing and they were confident, and obviously because we had to push and press in order to get our goals back. It was just going to be a matter of time. I mean, the rest of that game was pretty much a damp squib, to be honest. It was but that that annoyed me yeah. as well, though. The way that they they scored, and all right, we all knew when as soon as they scored, everyone in in the stadium and watching on TV and whatever knew at that point. Ah, oh, well, the tie's pretty much over. But the least I would expect from the team and the manager and the club is to at least pretend it's not over. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was like. It was pathetic. The response was absolutely pathetic. And actually, it made me angry. You know, these people have paid money to come and watch and the fans have got behind the team and, and then just, just to lie down and let Liverpool bloody tickle our bellies like that. It was pathetic. I do, I do wonder if there's an element, and perhaps I'm overthinking this a bit, that I wonder if Van Gaal knew that if he, or had an inkling that if he lost that game badly, then he might be, might be for the tightrope. And well, yeah, if he'd he, gone like five yeah, or something. His, you know, his thought was, if I can just keep this tight, and we we get, a, you know, it's fairly close, so we get a draw, then then I can stagger on to the next. The well, next that, one. that would explain his substitutions then. Yeah, that, those substitutions were literally just like damage oh. limitation, weren't they? The substitutions were absolutely terrible. This was because was it was Rojo and Varela who both have to come off, mm. and that's half of your back four mm. already removed, which calls into question the whole point of, of the team selection in the first place yeah. if you get it that badly wrong that you've got to take off two defenders before you even consider anyone further at the pitch you might be able to affect the game going forward he lo- he absolutely loves a fullback substitution isn't he he can't get enough well, he did of it. two more today didn't he yeah, yeah it's unbelievable yeah. I don't yeah. understand it I know we're missing out we missed this out I mentioned it briefly at the start as well but we haven't really talked about the fact that we started with in one formation and then Changed after five. Yes. Changed everyone around after five minutes, and and then for the the next ten or fifteen minutes, we literally like, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. Um, yeah. You know, well, Andy Mitten actually brought that up on his ESPN column uh, just this. I think it was over the weekend, just saying that initially United had trained and then suddenly saw the, the formation for West Ham, and then they went to, I think they went to four, and then suddenly during the game they went back to five, and two players went up to Andy Minton and said, "I don't know. I didn't know if I was in the right position or not." Which is it's just it's just ridiculous. It's inc- it's so damning. This this is another thing that that's become quite a regular thing with Van Gaal. Like I'll I'll be sat there watching a match, and I don't know half time he'll he'll put on a sub or whatever. And quite often during matches, I'll be sat there scratching my head, thinking, "Where the hell is he playing? Where is he playing? Like what is the formation here?" Qu- very very regularly. It happened against Liverpool as, as well um, in the first leg. That, that second half, it took me about 10 minutes to realise what, like, who was playing where, what the formation was, and even then I wasn't completely sure. Which may, leads me to think that he's just literally making it up as he goes along. But like, that, that come, I think that to a degree comes back to the fact that he, he leaves players to sort themselves out, you know, doesn't come out and, and give players instructions during the game. So if you've got a situation after five or 10 minutes where 
two players don't know exactly where they're supposed to be playing, then there's nobody to tell them to you know where they're supposed to be playing. So they're just winging it for the, you know essentially until half time or you know till the end of the game. Um, it's absurd. It, it's not exactly yielded the best results in this time at United. You know, no. even the best managers, if they feel like they have to effect a change, will go down onto the touchline and bark out orders or get someone to bark out orders for them. Because, you know, sometimes in the heat of the game, players don't really have that spare capacity to just think, right, I've got to stop for a second and figure out how this formation might change a little bit about or where I should be moving to in order to deal with whatever changes we're dealing on the pitch. Sometimes you just don't have that time to think about it. Also, I think um, if we're talking about managers, you know, being on the sidelines, like Jurgen Klopp is, I think, unproven so far at Liverpool. It's very early days. He's obviously a very good manager, though, with what he did at Dortmund. And the contrast between him and Van Gaal the other night was stark, I think. You know, he's there, just a a ball of energy on the touchline. And Van Gaal sat there making his notes, as usual. You look at all the best managers, Klopp, Mourinho, Guardiola... And Fergie, when he was younger, and they're all there on the touchline, living every moment. And some of it might be for show, some of it might not, but I do think it makes a difference. I think for, for players who look round, if the chips are down, backs against the wall or whatever, and they look round and they see their manager living every moment with them, I think that makes a difference. I mean, actually going back to what you said a little while ago, Paul, instead of the fact that you were angry and sort of frustrated about the way that it sort of fizzled out after half time. I mean, the couple of things about that, Number one, listening to, uh, you know, from TV, watching the full-time whistle, the reaction was deathly quiet. It was so resigned. I mean, I think that was kind of in opposition to what you were saying in terms of the anger that you felt of watching United sort of stumble through that second half and not really do much, but not necessarily do much to make it a completely embarrassing scoreline. You know, United just sort of stumbled through that second half and everyone just seemed to accept it and sort of shrug their shoulders a little bit and sort of move on. But that's very much the way this season has people, been, really, isn't it? People are, people are drowning in ambivalence, aren't they, at the moment? Well, I, I mean, I certainly am. I know a lot of other people are as well. You know, even we, we'll, we'll talk about today later on, but, you know, even today we've won at City and I should be bouncing off the walls with joy. And I, I'm happy, but it's all me- a bit measured and it doesn't really feel like it's going to lead to anything we've just won a game um and and there's also the the added the added thing of old oh christ does this mean woodward might cling on to van Hal again for another season i think everyone's just so resigned to us to us being in, incredibly shit that even when we do well we're just bracing ourselves for when it goes to shit again yeah i mean against liverpool it was weird obviously the, the goal went in just before half time and then for the first for quite a long time during the during the second half it was just sort of this uh, resigned silence. And a lot of people started leaving, I don't know, 25, 20 minutes before the end. And I, I actually uh, tweeted um, under Moy, something like under Moyes, when we lost to Liverpool at home, we sang 20 times for the last half hour of, of the game, you know, in sort of in defiance. Now we're just resigned to the fact that we're crap. Um, something along those lines. And literally about five minutes after I tweeted that, the, the Stratford then started singing... Dean has a clip, so, and it was nothing like that time under Moyes where we were singing twenty times because that was the whole stadium just literally, I don't know, almost like naturally just started doing it. This was quite half-hearted in a way. It was still, I mean, like where I was sitting, it was me, my brother, this guy next to us, 
out of probably a thousand people singing. I, I t- this reminds me actually. It was a West Ham game as well, where th- that um, over the last sort of eighteen months, quite often we've we, we've heard the the, the away fans or Stratford then you know singing attack attack attack, and I hadn't noticed, but in the last two or three months, that's just died out. And then on, in the second half against West Ham, it, it, there was just the the, the lightest um, sound of it coming from the Stratford end for mm. about thirty seconds. And it just died out, and that was it. And it's because people don't people know it's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the defiance has gone, hasn't it? This... Totally. That's yeah. the whole thing, though, isn't it? This this is the thing. You know, you're saying the defiance has gone. I think partially because you look back to the fact that Van Hal is still in the job, despite that absolutely dreadful December. Yeah. There's a feeling amongst the fan base that you know whatever we do, we're not going to be able to make much change at the moment. It, the decisions are all being placed above our head. Whatever we say or whatever we feel or whatever we choose to vocalise at games, isn't really going to have that much of an effect because the club aren't listening. So you're kind of just rolling with the punches to a certain extent until we get through this season, which we're all fairly certain at this stage that barring an absolute minor bloody miracle, Van Gaal will not be in charge of the se- of the club next season. And I think there's kind of this apathy towards what's happening at the moment, despite this good result today and despite the whole season, of just trying to trudge through these last few months, just get it done Get it over and with. try not to lose too much sleep over it. Yeah, I mean it's hard, it's hard to argue with that. I think uh, I think somebody said it, it would be ten games. We lost to West Ham. We got ten games left before today, so we're down to nine, and that seems that feels like a hell of a long time to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, we still got to play three of the teams above us before the end of the season. Yeah, strangely enough, I was looking at the um, the other fixtures of the, the sort of teams in and around us um, this afternoon, and. We've got. I suppose you could probably say there's about five teams. If, if you go down to perhaps go down to Liverpool, include Southampton as well, that are looking for that that last spot in the top four. And West Ham have got a really a really tidy finish, a really quite quite soft finish. Um, and we've got five at home and three away. Not that means a lot under Van Gaal, but um, City have got a dirty run in. Um, so you know, if you looked at it, if, if if you looked at it with fresh eyes, you'd think you know United could have a real run at this top four from here but we just have no trust in them to 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 actually we get you know we, we always flatter to deceive we get cl- kind of close to our targets and then we just fall away again and mm. it's just it just it's, it's almost like you know it's following a carrot isn't it someone's dangling a carrot in front of you and you're just nearly getting it and they're pulling it away every time and i think we're just really tired of doing that over and over again aren't we well i mean i guess the the, the good thing about if you're looking at a positive of not being in europa league is that the fixture this is going to be a lot less crumb than it would have been otherwise i, I think that part of the reason why we saw a slightly lethargic second half display, I'm not saying the whole reason, but part of the reason for sure for me was that they just looked exhausted by the time that, that game was ending. I, I just think they didn't have much more to give. I thought they did a pretty good job to keep going for the most part. They've been playing, what, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday for the last three weeks, four But, but who's weeks that now? down to? Why is it... Sunday? Well, that's down to the players, isn't it? Well, no, no the, the players, know. it's down to the manager, isn't it? You know, we, we come... Well, we come, the players to a certain well, yeah, extent well. we come back to the small squad, though, isn't it? School squad, don't we? It's you know, Fer- did, it never did Fergie any harm playing Champions League on a Wednesday and, you know, you might have the odd down performance, but over the course of a season, I think mo- most of the time, the Champions League actually helped to provide mm. momentum in, in the league as well. Whereas, you know, now we're just we're just flogging the same players week in week out. There's, we can't rotate because there's there's nobody of equal quality to come in if we do. So that the result is what we what we've got over the last few weeks, which is just players looking. I mean, what against Watford we looked absolutely, you know, dead on our feet, didn't we? I mean, Daily Blint 
I, I'm not his greatest fan at centre back, but he's done okay. And he was just absolutely hopeless that night. He looked knackered, absolutely knackered. Mm. And he's played he, virtually he had every like game. A two, two, three game spell, didn't he? Where he looked awful. Yeah, but you can't, I can't. You know, I can't blame him. I don't think he's the greatest no. footballer in the world. But 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 can you blame him? He's playing every single game. Um, and not only that, week. he's playing every single game in in a, an unfamiliar position. Yeah, I mean, yeah. poor bloke, really. You know, I think he's actually done exceptionally well. But those few games, he just looked abject. But even today against City in the second half, I, th- I thought we looked really quite tired um, and running on fumes, really, you know. But I suppose that's inevitable because we've got such a bloody thin squad. But I think there is also a tendency to sit back as well. I mean, we did that against Chelsea, didn't oh, we? Yeah, massively. Bridge as well. Our last 20, 20, 25 minutes, you just, we just stopped going forward, just sat back and just and, let them come to us. And, and the, the sort of damage limitations, substitutions, you know, the whole thing is just like, let, yeah, we've got a 1-0 lead, let's defend it. Well, that went well. Rich, I want you to access the most reasonable part of your brain. And when you consider the answer to this question, how big of a problem is it that United got knocked out on Thursday by Liverpool? Honestly. How much of a problem in terms of the season or the long way? Uh, I, I, well, just in general, really. I'm struggling to be emotive about United at all at the moment. So I, I was... I didn't even feel disappointed. I think I'd, dis- I'd, I'd already resigned myself to the fact we were going out before we'd even played the tie. So, um, yeah, that first leg was very damaging. Wasn't it just it? means there's less games we've got to watch this season, and it's probably saved us a really quite unpleasant 180 minutes against Dortmund. Oh, so, oh. so that's possibly possibly it's a good thing we went out. Yeah, I mean, whilst it would have been great to have gone through, and there is. <laughs> Looking at the way things have happened today, and especially where we finish off before the international break, one point outside of the top four spots, it's kind of incredible that we actually thought that it would be a better chance for us to get into uh, Champions League next season by winning the Europa League, which would have meant another ooh, four games to get to the final and another five for that final game. Um, I'd just like uh, to, everyone to know that I didn't think ever think that. No, I didn't either. No there way. Okay, fair enough. Well, there are so many better teams than us in that competition. There was, yeah, there was no well, way we were going to do it. No, I think it, it was always going to be a very tall order, and you know, it doesn't sting nearly as much as it that that game against Wolfsburg or that draw at Old Trafford against PSV in our Champions League group. It, it's always going to feel like an inferior competition for us. It, it, it's never great to go out of any cup competition, United, and especially when we're struggling to win things, and especially when we're still in this period of incredible uncertainty. But at the same time, I, I think I'm pretty much with you on that one, Rich. I think it's. You did, you struggle to tie too much emotion to it, especially after that first leg, because all the emotion kind of got dragged out of the situation when we lost to United Anfield. But I think I think the you mentioned the games against like Wolfsburg and PSV and whatever. I think they were a better indication of where we are as a club than this two leg tie against Liverpool. Um, yeah, we that's you know the warning signs were there then. You know when we were when we were. We couldn't beat PSV. We couldn't beat Wolfsburg. I mean, we, we just about beat Wolfsburg at home, but you know the, the warning signs were there when we lost to Swansea away in like September or whatever. The warning signs have been there since quite early on this season, and here we are in March. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> That was the best end to one of your sentences ever. That's wonderful. Just, uh, what else can I say? <laughs> no. We've all expected this for such a long time, haven't we? You know, if you looked, and I know a lot of people don't like to look at statistics, but there was a lot of a lot of the stats guys on social media um, 
that were that were at running the games at the start of the season, and they were all saying that United were getting incredibly lucky. You know that they they, they they were finishing you know twice as many of their chances as their chances as other teams were, and making it could never it could chances. never continue, could it? Yeah, it could never and continue. Just, and just defending incredibly tightly, and they, they kept saying it cannot go on. And you know, if you think back, we were top of the table, and it didn't feel like we were top of the league. It felt like no. we were crap. And somehow everybody else. It was almost embarrassing that we were there, wasn't it? Like it was. Like, yeah, it really was. Um, and we were dull as ditch water, and it was no fun watching us. And you were just waiting for the bubble to burst because you knew it couldn't go on. I don't think we expected the wheels to come off quite as badly as they did in December. But I think once once those those cracks were exposed, then it was really obvious because Van Hal only plays one way. Once teams had worked out how to play against it then they just all do the same as each other and just copy it. We can't break teams down who sit back deep and we can't cope with counter-attacking football um, and we can't count with it, count, uh, cope with um, with high press and intensity and tempo in the, in the other team. Or, or just or just even a team that's really up for it. We, we can't cope with that. You know, even even like a, a, a poor team like Norwich or Bournemouth or whoever, if they're really up for it, which they you know generally are against United, we can't cope with that. That's why we keep losing to these shit teams. Because we cannot cope with anyone who's, you know, just in your face and, you know, we can't cope with it. Guys, before we, now before we delve too deeply into what everything is terrible, can we yeah, let's, let's be spend positive. a little bit of time focusing on something that actually went well yeah. this season, which was the Manchester derby? Amazing. We haven't considered a single goal to City so far this season. Marcus Bloody Rashford. Marcus Rashford. What a now, player. Now, Martin Demichelis. <laughs> maybe it... yeah we did we did we did play half that game with 12 men didn't we oh bless him dear oh dear oh dear i mean city started you know i wouldn't say necessarily very brightly but it became very clear over the course of that first half then whenever we did attack i mean i honestly think that van hal got somewhat lucky today because i do think that team for the most part especially that front four i wouldn't i would have expected something very very similar to that regardless of whoever was playing for city i think company being out definitely helped I think Demichelis existing and playing for City definitely helped. I think it was it was kind of it was it was somewhat lucky that United actually got this lineup today uh, and this defensive. Oh, definitely. Over. But I mean, they absolutely ripped Demichelis to shreds. It was so good to see Lingard and Martial and Rashford were wonderful to watch in that first half. Stunning. Martial and Rashford are actually developing quite a nice partnership, I think. Not partnership. Which will get completely ruined when Mazza comes back into the first team in a couple of weeks. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I I did like um, Van Gaal's post-match comments about Dimitrius, where he said, he was a very good defender, my centre-back at Bayern, but that's his life of football. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, everyone turns shit eventually. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, that was a great goal, though. Rich, talk us through that goal. Rashford's goal. Yeah, it was just it um, was just out of nowhere, wasn't it? I mean, the pass through he 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 was just facing essentially facing up. You know, the entire city defence was in the line, and he had the ball. And then I, I don't really know what happened. The ball just moved from one side to the other. Dean Michaelis drifted off somewhere, screen right, and he was in on goal and finished it brilliantly. Yeah, I think Jamie Carragher said on Sky Sports. He said. Um, once you get to this age, he had it, uh, your legs go. So you'll go down the floor and hope you make the challenge. And if you don't, then the guy's gone. I mean, we should have had a penalty as well in the first half. Again, Absolutely. Again, Michael Oliver chose, completely yeah. and utterly bottled it. Oh, massively. But yeah, to, to finish, they're like, this is a, this is a kid. Like, a kid. And in what, his fourth, fifth game for United? 
Oh, he's absolutely wonderful. Paul, there's a, there's a quick question about um, Rashford. Now, some United fans have been almost quick to make this comparison with Makeda, Frederico Makeda, the, the man, the myth, the legend of the 2008-2009 season. Now, forgetting the fact that, you know, some people seem to be at pains to make that, you know, comparison already, do you feel that is pretty much unfair? And do you feel we've actually got something that's special on our hands of Rashford? Yeah, they're idiots. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we, we really do have, I, I honestly genuinely do think we've got a, a, quite a special player on our hands. I really do. For, he, he's, what, is he 18 years old, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, 18 years old and 141 days. Right. 18 and I haven't counted old. them. It's just that I saw that on Twitter telling us that he's the youngest ever goal scorer in a Manchester derby. In a Manchester derby, away from home, but not. It's not the fact that he scored because against uh, Mitchell and, and Arsenal, they were kind of tap-ins or headers, or whatever. And you're thinking, well, you know, in the right place at the right time, which is great for a striker. But but today there was much more to it than that. It was it was composed, uh, you know, dead eyes against a, an international goalkeeper. A vastly experienced goalkeeper as well. Um, and he took it so coolly. That's, that moment I thought, yeah, th- this guy's got it. He's got it. I think it's his, it's his intelligence off the ball as well, isn't it? It's running and uh, he, he, if you yeah, look, think back about Makeda. Makeda scored, Makeda scored that one goal against Villa. Um, he, he played in the next game at Sunderland and essentially got a goal when Carrick's shot deflected off him and into the net. And, he largely did very little ever again. He scored a pretty decent goal at Villa when we came back from 2-0 down to draw 2-all, but essentially he never did anything ever again. There were no signs that this yeah, was... Yeah, all-round ex- play wasn't great, was it? Yeah, there were no signs that this was an exceptional footballer. Um, you thought mm. maybe he might be he might become a, a you know really useful target man, but he was never an all-round footballer. Whereas with Rashford, you can see from his movement, from his touch, mm. um, from his speed he of thought... He holds it up, that, he's strong. Yeah, and it's... You know the biggest worry about Rashford, I think, is has been that that Van Hal will get get at him and actually stop him doing all the <laughs> all the good things that he that he was doing in those first two or three games. Um, Got to get Van Hal essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm hoping that from today we've seen that he's retaining some of that that innocence. I, I think the biggest the biggest danger with Rashford is that he's going to be overplayed. He's, he, we're going to become too reliant on him in I suppose there's only what is it eight games left so maybe we're all right I think if Van Gaal had found him any earlier like with Martial that worries me about Martial as well he's only young you know you gotta be really careful with young players you know and they are being overplayed these guys they, they really are there's two sides to it isn't there there's the so the, the negative side is I don't think this is a particularly good environment for young players to be coming through you know the, the pressure is all on, essentially all on the young players because there aren't any experienced players who are capable of doing anything like what they're doing. Um, and so I, that can't be particularly healthy, you know, particularly when there's no. quite a toxic environment around the club and in the media around the club and just the, the, view, the outside view of the club. Yeah, I, ideally they, they'd be sort of like gently eased into a winning team, wouldn't they? Ideally. Exactly, yeah, you know, it was Fergie did. And also like just in, you know, one or two of them as opposed to just wholesale you know, all at the same time. Yeah. But the flip side of that is that if a player is is blooded in that environment and actually comes through it and performs, then you can say they've clearly got a hell of a lot of character to be able to yeah. to be doing it under that sort of pressure. So, you the know... You, is, then, you, then you've got a player like Varela who, you know, you worry now. That, that what happened 
uh, against Liverpool could potentially have a really seriously detrimental effect on him. Like I don't think McNair's ever been the same since that Southampton game. Uh, and I don't think Mane's particularly great anyway. But you know, Varela, look, I think, looked quite good. A young player when they make when they make a high profile mistake, they need to be managed really well. And uh, I'm not sure Van Gaal has done that very well with certain players. It's more difficult for defenders, isn't it? Because you yeah. know Rash- Rashford can play up front and he can be a bit crap. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he'll have a bad touch. Doesn't matter. But you know, Varela has an off day. He gets slayed. He, he did have a couple of fairly quiet games, mm. didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean the the, the, the away game Liverpool and. Uh, yeah, quite, quite quiet against West Ham as well. So first half against Liverpool at home as well. I thought he was you know, fairly quiet. And West Brom as well. He you know didn't yeah. didn't have a lot to do. But but then that felt like it was more as a result of the system rather than yeah, and the uh, service or lack of particularly yeah. what he was doing. You know, he didn't really get the chance to do anything. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, defenders are so much more exposed. I, I I couldn't. I don't quite see the logic in. I know he wants to get minutes for um, Fossi Mensa, but bringing him on at left back. In the derby, when we're one 0 up, he just—he just seems like he's asking—he's asking for trouble there. I don't. Why do it? Pointless, utterly pointless. He <laughs> was. Well, Tim had a good time. Fair play to him. That second half was definitely a uh, well. <laughs> after those defensive substitutions, sort of killed any sort of flow. And to be fair, once uh, Pellegrini eventually cottoned on to the fact that Demichelis was ruining his entire game, not least because Martial and Rashford were giving him absolutely torrid time. That pass back to Joe Hart caused yeah. Joe Hart to get injured <laughs> and had him stretched off and bought off for Gavallero. Um, once Demichelis came off, that, that sort of killed the game for us in an attacking sense to a certain extent. And it was pretty much back to the wall for most of the rest of the game, wasn't it? I don't think it needed to be, though. It was a really strange atmosphere, wasn't it? It was, it yeah. was really. It was so I think flat, I said wasn't on, it, um, I said on Twitter, it sounded like, um, it was kind of like a, a fairly busy village fate. <laughs> Essentially, you know, there were lots of chatter, but there was no atmosphere. Yeah, and and there did there wasn't City didn't seem to have any intensity at all. But in what they were doing. no, they didn't at all. No, I think what you can say about City in that game was that they they definitely had the quality in order to actually get a goal from that. I thought Aguero again, you're always going to get a chance with Aguero. Yeah, but I think we we almost like almost expected them to. Well, they've got the they've got the players that can hurt us, so we we better you know, take real good care here and, and throw on some defensive players. When actually, first half we were, we, we were absolutely in control of the game. Yeah, if you think back to the um, the three two that we won with Van Persie's free kick at the end, but that game we were two 0 up and it seemed like we were cruising, and then City just cranked it up. You know, they just cranked it up, and it felt like it felt like that comeback was coming from you know the moment from about fiftieth minute. It felt like they were going to get back to two all, and when they did, it felt like the most natural thing in the world. Whereas that just didn't seem to happen at all. You know, Although. Had if, they the had, if they had equalised today, then you could see them winning the game. But, no, yeah, you're right. It never, it never really felt like it was going to happen. But I've got to admit, having watched City today, I honestly feel like I have underestimated just how much of a... Of, well, how big the trouble that they're in is. They're abysmal. I, I, they're, they're worse than I gave them credit for. They're just... They're, they're, they got... I don't know. They're just... There's no heart there. They've lost, they've lost the hunger, haven't they? Absolutely. Yeah, something has switched off in the last couple of they've months. For sure. they, they've won. They've won things. They've won things, and they've got quite an old. Yeah, they've got quite an old team, haven't they? And I think that there's a lot of players there who's won stuff, and they've just. But they've still got some fantastic players, and it just feels like the hearts aren't in it at all. And like, it, well, they're I not mean, even trying Paul, to hide can it. you can you now see, given how things are set up, can you see us overhauling City now for top four by the end of the season? No, I, well, 
I can, but I, I, I would... So they're terrible, would, no, they're terrible. Can we no, overhaul them, Paul? I, I no. think if anyone's going to do it, it'd be West Ham. Yeah, I think I think West Ham are a bigger problem than City are, to be honest, from here. West Ham, if you look at their fixtures, their last fixtures, they've got five at home, three away. They've got some really tidy home fixtures, which, in fairness, we have as well. But we still got to go to Spurs, um, and City's, City's fixtures are dirty. It all depends, doesn't it, how... Whether this... Today's result has a really positive impact on us. I mean, I think the international breaks come at a bad time for us. A bad time? Bad time, yeah. Like, we, you know, we've beaten City. We could do with just carrying on now. Do you know what I think? Uh, I disagree with that, mate. I think they need to step away for a couple of weeks. I think it's been a very intensive last few months. I think they just need to step back and players that aren't in international duty recharge their batteries. And the other ones just get a bit of a change of scene and then come back to it refreshed at this stage. Well, I hope you're I right. I really man. do. I hope you're right. Because, like, if we... If we could get in the top four, that would just... Ah, oh, that sounds so Arsenal. I can't even say it. You just did. And hey, we might keep Van Hal for another year. No, oh, God, oh, no. Ah. Get out. It can't happen. It can't happen. I don't. honestly don't think it'll happen. No. Well, I mean, we didn't really miss that much out of the second half of that City game. I mean, you know, Aguero flashed that shot so fizzed it past the post uh, in the second half. But, but had it actually been on target, then De Gea would have been absolutely ruined. And then you've got that header that hit the post. But other than that, I thought United did an excellent job of keeping them out. Especially Chris Smalling, considering he was on a yellow card for most of the game. Yeah. It, it, wouldn't it be lovely as well, though, to, if, if we could, if we, if it could be us that took that fourth spot from City and made sure that Guardiola was taking over Europa League team, it would be amazing. There's a very real danger of that happening now. A almost very, like, very real almost danger. as good as winning the league. Not quite, but. Almost. I don't think it's quite there with Liverpool not winning the league, but it'd definitely be a good second. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Didn't happen to us, yeah. but we're still very funny. City have got real problems there. I'm just I'm just trying to pull up their fixtures, but I really would... And bear in mind, they've got the PSG games as well. They've still got to go to Chelsea. Um, they've got to, got to go to Newcastle. I don't know whether you can consider that hard or not, but they'll be, they'll be trying to stay out. They've got to go to Southampton. They've got Swansea away. Arsenal at home. It wouldn't surprise me if they, if they um, won... The PSG tie, like over the two legs, it wouldn't surprise me because, you know, almost like when uh, Chelsea won the Champions League and they sort of, it was the players just sort of doing it by themselves. I think with the City players, that's what they want to do. They're, they're just concentrating completely on the Champions League and they don't give a shit about the league. Just don't care. And you can see that when they're playing, they're just, their hearts just aren't in it at all. But this, this, that comes back to the hunger, doesn't it? You know, they've all, they've all won the league. The, the thing many of them haven't won is the Champions League. And, they, you know, they're clearly, yeah. And I think there's just, all, you just need a 5% drop off. They are, they're really poor. Really, yeah, just their attitude. It's their attitude. If I was a City fan, I'd be livid with them. And it's not like they can, City fans can even, like, you know, chant Pellegrini out because they all, he's going anyway. Sitting on the hands, like, well, this is just how it is now, I suppose. But this, this comes back to the same the same issue at United as well. I think British people are just too, or English people, just too reserved at football. I know, you know, I know you might argue that, but in terms of in terms of, I don't think you're too reserved at football, Rick. No, no but in, ter- in terms of attacking individuals, or um, you know, at Barca, you know, Van Gaal would have been whistled and white hankied out the door six months ago, and at Bayern, you know, and, and also in Holland, you know, things. There's a much more hostile, a much more hostile atmosphere when when the manager's uh, playing. Real Madrid whereas, do the, the white hanky thing, don't they? Yeah, exactly. You know, whereas whereas here, Van Hals had the old game where decisions he, he's made have been booed, but he, he's never been subject to a real 
a real roasting, has he, in the, in the ground. And um, no. the, the worst one was after Southampton, when Southampton beat us 1-0 at Old Trafford. I think that's the worst it's got, hasn't it? That Oh, yeah, and for, like, for, for me, who's been going for years, it was like, oh, God, this is, this is horrific. But actually, when you, you know, compared to, like you say, you know, things have gone wrong or whatever, that was nothing, really. I mean, Van Gaal must have, you know, must be thinking, oh, I'm all right. Uh, well, he still fine. got autographs at the end. He didn't get his car kicked. He left the yeah, exactly. Like you know, all it was was literally like you know a few thousand people booing. And then you got you got the Arsenal the Arsenal home game where all he has to do is step out of his box and fall, and fall on the ground, and everyone's and everyone's, everyone's like, "Lou Van Gaal's red army!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the it's first like, time in but, weeks. Yeah. But I mean, I was I'm I'm culpable. I was singing Lou Van Gaal's red army. Oh, when you're he did the that, one. I was like, "Oh, he's my fucking <laughs> hero!" <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Uh, Honestly, he must. He must think all I've got to do is just stand up every once in a while, and they'll yeah, they'll love me. Which is well, true, it worked, didn't it? He's a genius. And if you're a, if an you're evil a, genius, if you're a dope like Woodward, maybe that's a bit harsh. But if if you're if you're somebody who's no, looking not. for an out, um, of a, you know doesn't particularly want to sack Van Hal, there's no he 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 mustn't go to games and and feel that that he has no option but to sack Van Hal, even when we even when we play poorly. Um, you know, the, it comes back to that um, complacency about that the fans will keep t- the fans will keep c- turning up and they'll keep buying things. And even if we're quite poor, like Liverpool were, we, it won't cost us any money. So you know, if I haven't got to make if I haven't got to make the hard decision, then why should I? Uh, who would you rather got sacked tomorrow, Ed Woodward or Leo Van Gaal? Oh, I I I have very high levels of hate for both of them. <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, I don't think I could bear to watch another season of Van Gaal, but in the long run, probably. Again, it depends because you could just see the Glazers just appointing another sop again, couldn't you? Another financial sop and another stooge, and and you you're not you haven't got anywhere. It depends. What you're essentially asking is death by a thousand cuts or death big by one great big fuck off sword. So, you know, I'd rather I'd rather the one big fuck off sword. To be honest, there you go. A thousand see? cuts is like yeah, it's just torture. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back at the whole week and, you know, the season as a whole, I guess, it doesn't really feel like much has changed in last week, I've got to admit. If, I, mean, if I could I, describe I like the now. last week in a few words, it would be really, really shit with a tiny bit of good. Well, I mean, I'd probably give it a bit more than that. I mean, the Derby win did feel good, obviously, due to the nature of it, which was very much, you know, backs to the wall for most of the second half. That was uh, That was less than desirable, but... You know, it, it is still tinged with that feeling of... It's not going to last. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's kind of bittersweet to a certain extent, you know, obviously because of what happened on Thursday night mm. and because United are struggling so much just to get the basic stuff done. And, you know, here we are, eight games left of the Premier League season. And you really would not put that much money on us, despite being one point off the top four, actually getting in there, much less staying in there. I think that there's there's as much chance of us finishing... Eighth or ninth, as there is a fourth, I'd say, given how given how bunched it is below us as well. Um, I think know, I think there's probably more chance of us finishing eighth and fourth. Honestly, I really, I genuinely mean that. Like, I think it's far less likely that we'll go on a run good enough to finish in the top four now in the last eight games than it is that we'll just sort of drop like a stone. Um, there's no evidence prior to today really that makes that could make you think. Oh yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to finish the top four. No, I think any time we've had that over the last well, almost almost two years since Van Hal's been in charge, 
we quickly learn mm. to distrust that. Absolutely. So I, I think you kind of just take each day, each game as it comes. If you took one message from today, or you, you had one thought for the day, I don't know about you, but mine would be, Christ, City is shit. I, I do think we were all right. I thought we were solid. But I do think that part of the reason that we got through with that result today was because City just failed on almost every single level. Yeah, definitely. But it's it's similar. If you just think as well, the, the previously the previous away our previous away win, which was God knows how long ago, was Anfield, and it was exactly the same. We played that game, we won one nil, and I came away thinking, Christ, Liverpool are shit, <laughs> and they were still better than us. But they were they they you know any, a half competent team would have won that they, game. They create a lot more a lot more chances than City did today, though. I think. Liverpool. Yeah, they they did, but they never they never looked to have the conviction of, of actually scoring them, did they? And, and, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I agree with you on that because I think against Liverpool away, it felt like we'd literally completely like robbed them, like yeah, robbed, no, like, mugged them off. Whereas today, I didn't feel like we mugged them. I think I think we actually no, no. You, you could argue that a draw would have been a fair result, but a United win didn't seem like a you know really unfair result. Whereas against Liverpool, it felt like fuck, how have we done that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's, I suppose it's just it more in the context of the, they are both of the season. Yeah, it's like against Liverpool. We made Liverpool look like Barcelona the other night. They're not. We're just more awful. <laughs> Gentlemen, we'll finish off on Twitter questions now. Uh, let's see. Rich, one for you. Dan at underscore MUSC underscore Dan eight seven asks, "How good is Anthony Martial?" His potential is frightening, and he he's our best. I was going to say he's a he's a raw diamond, but he's still our best player. By quite a long distance, um, mm. I think he could possibly be one. If you if you assume that Messi and Ronaldo might have retired somewhere down the line, that he you know he he'd have a shot at being the best player in the world at any given time, in perhaps in his mid twenties, if he develops to his potential. I can't see Ronaldo allowing himself to retire. No, no, I think he'll still be doing it. We'll, we'll probably have Ronaldo on sure. the other wing next season as well. So <laughs> we can we can actually buy them off against each other. <laughs> oh gosh, I would almost love to see that just for just, just for Ronaldo, just for his attitude and his personality and just seeing how well the monster that he has turned into since he, you know, over the last sort of five, six, seven years, just how badly that would translate oh over my God, to United be an now, absolute nightmare, especially given what we need and given that we, we really haven't got time to, it would be to save these big egos. It would it'd be, be, it'd be hilarious. I, I, I would absolutely love it just for the, the pure hilarity of the whole situation i'm not sure but going back to martial i think my my favorite aspect apart from the goal today was i think it was towards the end when rashford had pulled up and he was just trying to get the blood flowing in his legs again i think he was he seized up in some point martial danced past two or three players and did such a fantastic job of holding the ball down that wing drawing that free kick i think it was from cliche It's, it's just just watching him he's just so I don't know. Words kind of fail me with Martial. I just, I think we've got a very, very exciting player on our hands. My big worry is that he's not going to fulfil his potential at United if we don't buck our ideas up. I think, I think it's the same. Um, it's the same kind of feeling you get with De Gea, and yeah, uh, you, you feel with De Gea, and obviously it's different because Martial's only been here for a year, so you know you expect he's going to be here for at least another couple of years. But you feel yeah. like at some point, unless United become a force again he's going to move on and and you wouldn't begrudge him because why would he why would he he's that good he's one of the he potentially he's going to be one of the best players in the world yeah we need to match his uh, ambitions absolutely because what it's like with De Gea now 
I mean, if, if De Gea left in the summer, who could begrudge him that? No. Rich Vikash Patil asks, what colour is Manchester? What colour is Manchester? Well, yeah. it, it's it's currently extremely red. Oh. Charlie at Charnado asks, why will Morgan inevitably be dropped again soon when he's just so good? So good as in capitals. Paul. Because Louis van Gaal is a madman. Yeah. Rich, what did you make of Schneiderlin today? He, I, I like Schneiderlin. I think he gives us a lot of balance. Um, he has... The only, the only problem with Schneiderlin is every four or five games he has an absolute stinker. And the way what Van Gaal tends to do is as soon as he has his stinker, then he just drops him and that's it. Um, you know, whereas there are other players who get more chances than he does. Um, but I think, yeah, we have so much more balance. I mean, we've all seen the stats, haven't we? You know, we, we win far more games and lose far less when when he's uh, on, on the pitch. But um, And I think that there's a point to those, but they can be a bit misleading as well. But I just think generally we're so much better balanced with him in the midfield. I really think that he's... He, he's not an exciting prospect in in the way that Marcel is, but I think he could become a really integral part of this team. I really do. Like you know, he's similarly to Carrick over the years. He sort of just gets on with his job quietly, and quite a lot of the time, you don't really notice what he's doing. At Arctic Reed asks, "What is a Fellaini? What is a Fellaini? Yep. Um, it's it's some sort of terrible virus, a virus that attacks attacks every system of the footballing body and systematically destroys it leaving <laughs> leaving leaving it in in rubble on the ground that's what a fellaini is Paul same question to you okay what is a fellaini a fellaini is um a bit like frankenstein something that's been made by a human being but this human being has put the fellaini's brains in its elbows wonderful that was absolutely worth it so is he basically he's he's essentially headbutting people all the time then isn't he yeah well yeah yeah that's what it is and i I just thought he was dirty elbow but now we know oh see well he did explain it to us in the liverpool game he did say he's not a dirty player guys so maybe this is what he was alluding to he definitely is a dirty player he is filthy oh there is that yeah well yeah we were going to talk honestly then yes that's another story for another time guys it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for coming this evening Guys, thank you very much for listening. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully with a decent result to speak about after United play Everton when we resume Premier League duty. Thank you very much for listening. Good night.